A new aviation gallery, chalk art, a historic park, a healing memorial, and much more. We're focusing on history, art, and culture on this edition of Connected Colorado. Wendy Brockman right outside the Blue Sky Aviation Gallery. It's new. It's part of the Wings Over the Rockies Air and Space Museum. This is their second location now right at Centennial Airport. And it's just part of what's going to be a huge build out still to come. We'll have much more on this later in the show. But first, Aurora is part of a tragic piece of our history, the theater shooting six years ago. But now, a beautiful new piece of art is helping to heal. We've waited so long for this. Please enjoy the 720 Memorial Dedication. Aurora Strong. Let me hear it, Aurora Strong. Now on July 27, 2018, the city of Aurora is dedicating a memorial. The sculpture displays 83 cranes outstretched in flight to represent the victims of the shooting. 13 clear cranes in the middle of the garden represent those who lost their lives. This memorial is designed to provide comfort to those in need. This entire memorial site, infused with beauty, is intended as a place of reflection and healing. It is intended as a place of remembrance. For this memorial, I choose to remember Gordon Cowden, Jonathan Bunk, Rebecca Wingo for being the incredible parents they were to their children. I will remember Jesse Childress and John Larimer for their military sacrifices they made for this country. I will remember Alex Sullivan, A.J. Boyk, Matt McQuinn for their incredible sense of humor. I will remember Michaela Medic, Jessica Gowie, Alex Teeves, and Veronica Mosher Sullivan for the joy they brought to all who knew them. For all of the rest of the survivors, I think of your triumphs and view this memorial as a testament to your courage and to your resilience. Anybody that's been a victim or a survivor to a you know to a tragedy, this is some place that you can come to heal, a place that you can come for encouragement. This garden is for any person who wants to escape, for the people who want to talk and spend time with their loved ones. It's for the people who are finally ready to heal and the ones too angry to feel anything at all. This place communicates that beauty can arise from ugliness. With this memorial, we remember that love and community will overcome the darkness. Congratulations, my dear Aurora family. You are birds soaring to great heights. Thank you for carrying this community on your beautiful flight towards healing. I love you. It is a special place and really worthwhile to see. It's in the Reflection Garden at the Aurora Municipal Center. We'd like you to meet Earl Caleb with the Blue Sky Aviation Gallery. Hi, thanks for having us. Well, thanks for inviting us. We appreciate it. What is the Blue Sky Aviation Gallery? It is an extension of Wings Over the Rockies. Uh, of course, we have the Lowry, which is our museum, and that's about 
history. Whereas Boeing Blue Sky Gallery is about the present and the future inspiring new folks in the pursuit of the aviation career paths. All about the wings. It is, it is. <laughs> it's set up to be a really immersive experience, so what can visitors do? One, you're on an active airport, one of the busiest in the United States. Centennial Airport. Absolutely, and that's not by coincidence. You know, in order to inspire, you often have to immerse yourself. So what better way to see it, feel it, touch it, smell it than being in this facility? As you can see, we have three aircraft. You know, they're just not pieces in a collection. They all are active and fly on a frequent basis. And then all of the, the exhibits, they're meant to get in and be part of and understand and inspire you to determine, hey, is this something, a career field that gives me passion that I want to pursue. So that is that is the, the underpinning of this gallery. So you opened in July, correct? Yes. What was the inspiration behind all of it? How did it start in the beginning? Over the next you know, you know, 10 to 15 years, you're gonna have a, a, a cliff of aviation, aviation professionals retiring. How do you replace them? Mm. And all that occurs as more and more people are flying and more and more packages are being delivered via you know, air. So how do you support that demand when you have a, a great maturity, mature force retiring or at the retirement age, how do you motivate folks to come in and replace them and really expose them to some of the benefits of what the aviation career paths offer? So there's an economic side to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So you have some different stations here that give you, each one gives you a different experience. So what is the wind tunnel? Uh, the wind tunnel gives you the understanding of the aerodynamics that you would experience in flight. Kind of the ultimately. science behind it. Absolutely. And then there's a weather station as well. Yeah, the weather, weather impacts uh, everything, flying blind. Although you cannot see, you can still navigate. Oh, and then you gotta have a drone zone, right? Absolutely, you just think about anybody can go out and purchase a drone yeah. and become a pilot you know, of that drone and become very proficient. Why wouldn't we implement something similar? And then, you know, you think about, we have the gyro chair. The impact physically and physiologically of flight on a person's body. You know, the G-force, you feel absolutely. it? Absolutely. You know, and they put you in that, in that chair. That will determine <laughs> if this is something you want to pursue. <laughs> all right, so for people who haven't been to the Wings Over the Rockies Air and Space Museum, it's all about history. But you still can, you know, it's interactive. You can see some of the aircraft and, you know, learn and touch and feel. But this is different. Yes, and ultimately this has more of a feel of a operational aviation effort versus the museum, everything's static. This is fluid and ultimately, you know, you have aircraft going in and out, taking off, and you have pilots in here. They can get an update on the weather. They can refuel here. Uh, uh, so this is more of a, a more active aviation site. Can you actually listen to what's going on in the control tower? Absolutely, we have a exhibit upstairs where we have a live feed of you know the control tower. Wow. So that is the point of this facility. And the to, simulator is the same 
yes. concept, right? It, you want it to feel as real as possible? Yes, just like uh, we, you know, the simulators, we want folks to determine if they have some of the acumen to <laughs> pursue being a pilot yeah. or you know, any of the other you know, career paths in aviation. Well, what's crazy is that this is just a small part of what's coming. There's a huge build out ahead. Absolutely. We have partnered with a company called ILE, and we solicited Cherry Creek School District for a, a, a charter school, and we we're successful. In the next academic year, uh, you'll have you know, education being conducted here on a daily basis. There's another phase called Black Sky, and that's dedicated toward the future and the present of space exploration. Well, I've been to Wings Over the Rockies Air and Space Museum many times. It is it's so cool. It's an amazing space. And I would recommend you see both. I think people should come here, go there, compare the two, because they are very different experiences. And you guys have done an amazing job. Well, thank you. And I agree with your recommendation. Go to both. And ultimately, you will, yeah, once you leave you know, both uh, facilities, you'll be inspired and you'll feel that you have been, you learned something and education process has taken place. Ready to take flight. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, thanks Earl. Thank you, Wendy. This place is cool. All right, up next, a chalk art program in the Broomfield Library, complete with an artist in residence. So we're here, it's 9 a.m. in the morning, and we're about to make some chalk art at the Broomfield Public Library, thanks to the Maker in Residence program. Ta-da! Today we had a chalk artist, Katarina Vuletich, and this is part of our Artist in Residence series. Three times a year, the library hires an artist to come, show what they do, share their work with patrons, the library, anybody who's interested, and it's just been a wonderful way to engage the community, teach about the different artists that are out there, give the artists an opportunity to show what they do and what they're passionate about. I don't ever really fully feel finished with like any artwork that I have. And so with chalk art, at some point I just have to call it. She's working on her large piece and then we have all the sidewalk around it. Anybody could just come up, take some chalk and start drawing whatever they were interested in. And so we have an entire sidewalk over there that's completely decorated with community art. This Artist in Residence series allows us to promote local artists and their endeavors and also give the community a space to observe the artists in action, engage with the artists by talking and chatting, learning about their experience, as well as practicing. So you get to get a little bit of the background, the art history and the techniques, and then you get to put your hands to practice. I think that it's so important that they're able to create and feel satisfied with the end result and you know it's something that is semi-permanent you know it lasts for a little while but it washes away really easily. I think kind of learning to let go of the pomp and circumstance that can kind of surround art and just create is really fulfilling so I really love seeing kids create and create with me. 
I'd say that the Broomfield Library investing in resources like public art is just really important not only to the Colorado community but also to the Broomfield community because as we grow I think it's really important that Colorado maintains the culture that has not only always existed in this community but also the community that's coming in to Broomfield is also invited and welcomed and I think public arts do a really good job of doing that. I just absolutely love the engagement, watching people discover themselves and their artistic abilities and also just being curious, being fearless. I really like doing chalk art because it's kind of liberating. You don't have to kind of wrap yourself up so much in the end product because at the end of the day, it's just gonna wash away. It kind of teaches you to let go of a lot of the things that usually hold you back when you are creating something, especially this large scale. And it kind of forces you to just work fast and focus as much on the process itself as on the end result. What a cool piece and life lesson. Well, Wheat Ridge is celebrating 50 years as a city. Let's take a look with the Wheat Ridge Historical Society. The Wheat Ridge Historical Society wants to preserve history because we can see where we've come and how far we've come. And for the children who don't know about how people came to the High Plains, how did they live? You need to know where you have come from in order to appreciate where you're going. We had a post office and it was named Wheat Ridge. The farming community was very proud of being Wheat Ridge and I still am proud of that. We need to preserve the history of the area and if we don't get things passed on as people pass on, uh, we don't capture it. With having been formed in 1974, the Wheat Ridge Historical Society, we have gone through I guess I can only say a lot of battles to save our old buildings. And having gone through all of those, now it's like we're reaping the rewards of sharing it with people in Wheat Ridge. This is the Wheat Ridge Historical Park at 4610 Rob Street. And I like to say it's the best kept secret in Wheat Ridge. The Wheat Ridge Saudi was built in 1859, which is the gold rush years. 1973, when the Historic Society took over the sod house, they put stucco on it to help preserve it because most sod houses only last 30 to 35 years because of the wind and the rain. And you can see how thick the walls are when you look at the windows. And also we have our cook stove that we cook on two times a year in May and in in October and we also have a collection of over 50 quilts um, that have been documented through the uh, Colorado Quilt Council and I have sewn the labels on that document the numbers and then over here you might notice we have a canary in a cage and when the ladies would be at home in the sod house and the farmers would be working the ladies would like to talk to their canaries and it would give them company because they didn't have radios back then. When the real estate person had purchased this property, he was actually ready to bulldoze down the sod house. 
and some children ran and told their parents and then they stopped them and they had to actually buy the property back from the real estate person. This is the implement shed, tool shed, and it was made in 1985 to house the different farming equipment. And this is actually an old water pipe made of wood, donated, and uh, we also have a barbed wire collection here that one of our members redid for us. And this is actually a laundry stove that the sad irons hook right on here so that they get hot with the fire in the belly of the stove. And then you would put your laundry tubs on top to heat your water. So this cabin we call the Johnson cabin, but it actually, to begin with, was the Coulahan cabin, and it was first at 44th and Teller, and they had to reinforce the foundation because the bottom logs had rotted away. And so that's why it, the ceiling appears very short and the windows are very close to the floor. And then this bed is one of the many donations we got from people and it's a three-quarter size bed. Then here in the fireplace, this little thing that the pot set on with the three legs, those are called spiders. This stove we also use on cider days and the May Festival. The city of Wheat Ridge wanted to tear the post office down and build a parking lot. It was originally on 38th and Teller and the Wheat Ridge Historic Society kept going to the city council and they finally let the city of Wheat Ridge buy the post office for $1 on June 1990. This is the first Wheat Ridge switchboard used from 1945 to 1950. So in here we've got a lot of school things and a lot of books. So it's kind of our research library, all kinds of information. This is the 1910 brick bungalow, and it was thought to be either a Sears or a Ward's kit home. This refrigerator is a 1938 GE, and we use it all the time. And then the stove over here is a gas stove. We don't use it, we could. And then sometimes I have the kids see if they know what this is. And it's actually a toaster, so with a gas flame, you'd put your toast on there and turn it and you'd have to watch it so it doesn't uh, burn. And then this, of course, is a waffle maker. This is a Hoosier, which before people had cabinets, they actually moved their kitchen Hoosier with them, and so that had their cabinet space. And then later in the 50s, people had aluminum cabinets. This is a 1915 farm map. So a lot of the roads have different names on here, like North Golden Road is now 44th Avenue, and it also used to be called Jefferson Avenue, and Rob Street used to be called Sunnyside Lane, and then behind you is the Carnation Festival plates. Then also over here, Wheat Ridge is turning 50 years old in 2019. And then in May, we have our May Festival, and this is a little replica of the May Festival Maypole dance. These are some quilt blocks made by different members of the Wheat Ridge Quilting Circle. And then in here, we've got this dollhouse that they have recently worked on. 
it's our heritage. And many of us have come from all different places. We just are of a mind that we hate to see the past lost. What we would like to do is to make sure that people know that there is a historic park and that they can bring their kids or their civic groups. What the, the younger generation of members is doing now is to try to promote the historical society. To do that, we decided every second Saturday of the year, we would have an event here at 44th and Rob at the Ball House, so people would know that we have a historical society. It's that connection to the past, knowing that you can't stop progress. Whatever's new is new, is, it will always be new. But that which is old is a good foundation, a place to start to reach back and actually touch the history of how things came about. Because I want to show my children and grandchildren that everything has come from something. And how it came from is uh, why I stay involved with a historical society. When you come to the Blue Sky Gallery, you have to try the virtual reality because it is the next best thing to actually flying an airplane. You are in the cockpit with the pilot taxiing on the runway, doing everything as if you would on a real flight. It is amazing. All right, we want to congratulate Wheat Ridge on 50 years and of course a much longer legacy. And in Arvada, something special going on. It's a new way for artists to share their work. It's called Art Drop. Artists in Arvada like Aaron Riley create because they love it. And there's a new way to share their art with the world. I took a tumbler and I put it in a bag and I said free art. You know, I labeled it with Art Drop 2018, um, and I put it down in downtown Arvada for somebody to find. So hopefully, somebody will find it. Where do you think we should look first? This way. Sure enough, people are looking. The mastermind behind this clever hide and seek. I try to be kind of like sneaky. Is artist Emily King. And you can always tell when they find them because you hear shrieking from half a block away. <laughs> it's called Art Drop. Cities around the country do it, and thanks to Emily, it's growing in Arvada. We do one every first Friday in Old Town, Arvada um, to help support the first Friday art walk that happens in Old Town. And with the help of the city, she's expanded to local parks on the third Saturday of the month. And then on Instagram we say the drop is starting now and then we start posting the hints. It says you found a hidden art treasure. It's finders keepers, so even little Mabel can take her treasure home. And usually it means that we go out to dinner as a family and then we kind of rush around. See anything in there? Looking at all of the secret spots that we think it might be hidden. It's really grown organically, just more and more people hearing about it. And people post stories about their adventure. Saying, my son and I walked around, we collected four, picked his favorite one, and then hid the other three. We like to run across our pieces later you know, and find them in people's homes and it, you know, it makes, us, it makes us feel really happy and proud to be a part of the community. It raises the profile of the artist, attracting people to their website and their work. It brings people outside to see all that Arvada has to offer. Over here. Okay. And that magical moment of discovery. What do you see? May inspire someone to create art of their own. That is a great program. Now we are heading to Golden to meet a local musician, one of Golden's own. My name is Adam Kinghorn, and uh, 
I'm a musician here in Golden, and I've lived in Golden most of my life. Well, seven years ago, boy, I was sitting on a mountaintop, thinking about the good times and how his life had changed me, sent to the sky. As if someone would reply, I'm going down, going down to that place I gotta be. You know, growing up in Golden was, was really neat because you had the small town feel, but you, you had so much character in the town. I lived in the historic district, and so my house was literally 100 years old. And we're always looking for ghosts in my house and stuff like that. Going down, going down, that place I gotta be, I'm going down, going down, that place I gotta be, I'm going down, 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 that place I gotta be, in the Colorado backcountry. Yeah, my mom played guitar, and um, I remember she'd always write songs and she'd sing them to us, and at the time, you know, we're like, Mom, you're embarrassing us. Then I hit an age when I realized that it sounded really good and she'd written some really great stuff. Nothing better than jamming with your mom, I have to say. It's the best. Nights under the stars And the Rockies free from cars I'm going down, going down To that place I gotta be Going down, going down To that place I gotta be Going down, going down To that place I gotta be Down, down, down To that place I gotta be in the Colorado backcountry. I played in a punk band going, growing up in high school. We were called Shortchanged because we were so, you know, we were ripped off. We felt, we felt like society had ripped us off, but really we just had a lot of angst. Yeah, our first big performance was at the Buffalo Rose in Golden. And, uh, you know, it, it's a biker bar, but they have a really, really unique room in there. It's a big room to play music in and we were 16 and had no idea what was going on. It was, it was pretty funny. I do love being a musician and I really think it's the connection that you have with other musicians. I think that's the most important thing about music is you get to express yourself with other people. Something happened in college where I felt the need to start playing bluegrass music. So I got an acoustic guitar and I met, met all those guys in the dorm rooms. And our first rehearsal as Head for the Hills, which is the name of our group, actually took place in the dorm room. Unchain my heart, unchain my heart, baby, let me be. Unchain my heart, unchain my heart, unchain my heart. Head for the Hills just seems like a really unique expression that kind of sums up our whole, our whole existence here in Colorado playing music. One of our first real gigs was here in Golden at the Higher Grounds coffee shop. And the place was really packed to hear us play and, and uh, we were all so nervous because it was a new style of music for us, the bluegrass music was new. And um, it went really well and people really enjoyed it. Some people don't realize that Golden has a really great musical community that is really thriving. And a lot of that takes place informally just with jam sessions and Golden City Brewery is one of the places where people meet to play. And um, 
People always ask, what time are you going to be there? I don't really know. It just kind of happens. Being a musician full-time definitely has its ups and downs. Um, creatively, it's hard to write new music and keep it fresh for people that come and see you every night. Um, I think that's one of the great things about living here in Golden Nose. I feel this constant creative inspiration just by living here with, with such a beautiful place. I curse a day, I laugh the mountains. I continue to call Golden Home um, because I love, I love it here. It's a small town. It's a beautiful place to live. More than anything, it has that sense of community that I love about a small town. And just being around all these great people that play music and love music and embrace it, it's a really special thing. Take the high road out of town. And take the high road out of town. Look at this, a 1936 Stearman biplane. Most of the pilots in World War II trained in these, and this baby still flies today. We hope you've enjoyed learning about all the great history, art, and culture in our state. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time on Connected Colorado. We're focusing on art, history, and culture, including the brand new Blue Sky Aviation Gallery right by Centennial Airport, and much more on Connected Colorado. Join me Thursdays at 8.